All right. Good morning, everybody. How are you? This is Bill Graff with the Senior Estate Concierge. And today I have Angela Odensky with me. And we are going to be talking about legal issues for seniors and legal assistance and how uh, legal uh, a lawyer can help you through some of the uh, uh, all the legal obstacles that you may go through and face. So um, welcome, Angela. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing very well. Nice. Good. Nice to see you this morning. Nice to see you. Yeah. So um, let me introduce the senior estate concierge first to everybody, and then we'll we'll get in and uh, introduce yourself, and then we'll ask them, we'll just have a discussion on, and some questions. Uh, so the senior estate concierge is a full service, all in one stop shop for all different types of senior services. We have anything from uh, geriatric care management to aging in place services to uh, moving services to moving mom and dad to an assisted living location or whatever uh, type of facility or community they may need. Uh, it could be anything from medical uh, insurance, to Medicare, uh, real estate. Um, the idea between the idea behind the senior state concierge is to provide full service resource and solutions for seniors and families going through life transitions. Uh, oftentimes it's very difficult with working adult children to find the services that they need and trusted services that they can count on to provide best services and not just sell services. And that's what we're here for is to be resources and solutions first and, and make sure that we can help people along the way um, through their journey. So with that said, um, today, one of our uh, service providers in the group is Angela Odensky with the law office of o Angela Odensky. And so Angela, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm gonna let you introduce yourself and then we'll just talk about uh, some of the services you provide, some of the important topics and questions that you get from seniors and families, okay? Okay, that sounds great. Um, my name is Angela Odinsky. I'm located in the Bel Air area of Houston, and I practice in estate planning, elder law, and probate guardianships. So basically what that means is I help people plan for the future, plan their legacies, but also plan for their long-term care and plan for their aging. And I think that that's one of the most important things that we can do is plan for our aging. Um, time marches on whether we want it to or not. Mm. And we're all gonna get to the same place. And so it's really important to have an idea of what that's going to look like, what your aging is going to look like and how you're going to pay for it and what roles the different people in your life are going to have. And so that's what I do is I try to get people to sit down with me and, and, and talk and plan and, and put something together so that they know what the next steps are um, when something happens. Very good. And, you know, it's got to be a challenge with a lot of people, right? They don't want to always talk about that issue. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> take, Very true. Make, taking the time to uh, really plan that out is, is not always something we want to do. Right. So, right. But it's, a, right. it's a very important part of the process. and It's just a reality we have to deal with. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and it's the kindest thing you can do for your family. Uh, in my opinion, there are the two things that you can do that are, essential that are just kind 
to your family is pre-plan your funeral. Don't make them do it in the moment when they're grieving and pre-plan your long-term care. Don't make them panic when all of a sudden there is a catastrophic health issue and everyone's scrambling to figure out how to take care of the situation. Um, get Have an idea of what's going to happen. Yeah, that is so important because at the time, when it's that time, that's when the most confusing issues come up and it's so hard right. to find that what you need to do and how you do it. Yeah. So, right. Very good. Well, um, so with that, uh, let's, let's uh, have a little bit more discussion. So tell me what's, what's the difference between traditional estate planning and long-term care planning? So traditional estate planning is something that most people are familiar with. You create your will or you create your trust, maybe a couple of other documents that allow someone to manage your business if you're not around or if you're in the hospital or something happens, but it's focused on your legacy. So estate planning is focused on what happens after you die um, and how your, how your stuff is distributed to your family and what you want to be, how you want to be remembered. That's traditional estate mm -hmm. planning. Long-term care planning and elder law is focused on this time period between when you're retired and doing all the traveling and doing what you want to do, and then death is somewhere over here, but there's this time of decline, right? And so an elder law attorney is kind of focused on that time of decline when you're still alive, but you need additional help. We're not so much concerned about your legacy. We want to wrap that in with everything else. But our primary concern is your care. It's making sure that you are able to age with dignity and pride and that you can continue living your life the way that you had envisioned it, um, that you have a vision for what you want yeah. your aging to look like. And so I think that that's one of the biggest differences between a traditional mm -hmm. estate planning attorney, which is absolutely essential. Um, and an elder care or long-term care planning attorney is that we were focusing on different things and we're putting teams together for different things. A traditional estate planning attorney is going to be very focused on your financial advisor and your CPA. And that's those are all very important things to have everyone together on the same page, how your assets are, are going to be dealt with. Um, Elder care attorneys also are very uh, interested in your financial planning and your CPA, but we also want to know about your geriatric care managers. We want to know about like, what are your home health care uh, providers? Who are they? Are they people who have your best interest at heart? Um, are they people who are, who are really evaluating your situation? Are you managing your non-financial um, day-to-day -day business as well as as you could be and so we sort of we have a different focus on on the teams that we build and help you build as well as uh what we want to to, to um make sure is in place right right great great explanation um it's really important yeah, I think you said it so well. I can't say it any better. So, you know, it, it, it's 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 afterlife and it's before afterlife, right? More or less. Right. So, um, it's so important. To, and and the fact that you will have your other uh, other pieces of the puzzle, if you will, together and and consulting with them to make sure all the pieces are together, right? And right, in place and ready to go. So, very good. Um, <clears throat> so, if I have a will. 
um, it tells everybody, you know, what, what, where my assets are going and what's going to happen. Isn't that enough? Uh, that's all I need, right? It's not. Um, one of the, one of the most interesting myths that I am confronted with by clients is they'll get me on the phone and they're like, Oh, well, I've already named my oldest child as my executor. And they want to talk about that in terms of who's going to be making decisions for them as they age and who's going to be able to go to the bank and write checks for them and who's going to be able to take care of their bills and, and sign contracts and make decisions if they're not able to. And they're like, Oh, I've already named an executor in my will. And I have to explain to them that the executor in your will is only valid after you die. So your executor doesn't do anything while you're alive. And by the same token, your agent and your durable power of attorney can't do anything after you're dead. And so there are distinct documents that have to be put in place for distinct times in your life. So if you have a will, that's wonderful. That's going to make things a lot easier on your family after you pass. But you should also have a really robust, durable power of attorney that names somebody that you trust completely to manage all of your business affairs, all of your financial affairs, everything that, that deals with your day-to-day existence, you need somebody to do that while you're alive. Understanding that the moment you pass, that document is void, and then the will picks up after a court says that it's a valid will, right? And so it's important to have all these documents in place. Um, And a durable power of attorney isn't enough. You should also have a medical power of attorney because our durable powers of attorney only manage our finances. Mm -hmm. Our medical powers of attorney manage our medical decisions. And so there's a whole lot of decisions that come up as we age that have to be taken care of. And if, if you or a loved one aren't able to, to make those decisions, then somebody has to be there to take up that slack. There has to be somebody who can make those decisions instead. Okay. And that could be the same person in theory, right? Yes, absolutely. It can be whoever you want. Right. One of the things I tell my clients all the time is that, you know, if you don't have a good relationship with your children or you don't trust them, don't name them. There's nothing Mm -hmm. saying that they have to be named. Um, If you have a great relationship with all of your children, name them in order of succession. One, two, three, four, five, stack them up like dominoes. It's really however you're going to be most comfortable. I think it's really important to name more than one person, especially when you have a spouse, because generally speaking, your spouse is going to be the first agent. But if both of you happen to get into a car wreck at the same time, somebody needs to be able to step up. There should be some kind of successor agent. Um, And it can be a big job. So it needs to be somebody who's able to manage that job or who's able to hire people to help manage that job. And you have to give them authority to do that. Um, These documents Mm -hmm. have to be drafted in such a way that you're giving appropriate authority to the people Mm -hmm. who are going to be making decisions. Yeah, that's a very good point of of having somebody that can handle that and um, really be able to manage it. Because a personal experience with me is my father's death recently. And Thankfully, he had my brother that was uh, local to take care of all that. And he has right. the time and he was very diligent about it. And, and 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 seeing all the work that he's put into it after this, and you would think it wouldn't be that bad. My father was very organized, but it was still so much work to figure out right. these different, different things that had to be done. So good point. Very good point. Yeah. Um, 
so what other documents should I have um, other than, uh, you know, other than those documents that you're talking about, the durable power of attorney, medical power of attorney, and how often should I have those updated or reviewed? Um, so some more documents that I, generally speaking, when I put together an estate plan for somebody, there's, we have several documents. So there's the physician's directive, which is an opportunity for you to say now, whether you want to be on artificial life support, if you are um, not expected to live longer than six months, or you're not expected to get better, your pro prognosis is not expected to improve, you can say how you want to be treated. Um, so that's a very important document for your family to have. A HIPAA authorization, a generic authorization for people to be able to talk to your doctors. Um, I generally use it for uh, hospitalization. You know, if you want mm -hmm. your family to be able to call if you're in the hospital and see mm -hmm. how you're doing, then they have to, you have to uh, give the hospital authorization. Mm -hmm. um, other documents, uh, one that we use and we hope we never need is a designation of guardian prior to need. If there's dementia or Alzheimer's, then you can choose who you want to manage your affairs. If there is some catastrophic event and you need a guardian, um, and then finally, the uh, the appointment of agent for disposition of remains, which is the person who plans and pays for your funeral. I know that uh, funeral directors like this document a lot because it there are no fights. There are no fights over what mm -hmm. happens when you have this document because one person is named and what that person says goes. And so mm -hmm. um, they don't have to worry about uh, family members, you know, mom wanted this well no mom really wanted this they just they haven't they have a decision maker and they can yeah. rely on that decision maker so those are general ones that um that i that i always do um generally speaking review your will when something happens in your life uh as you age as your children age when they graduate from college when you have a better sense of if you drafted your will when they were five and six, and now they're 25 and 26, you have a much better idea of who they are as people. You have a much right. better idea of what they're, who right. they're gonna be as adults. And so maybe you wanna revisit that. Maybe now you wanna add them to your powers of attorney as your agents. Um, another thing I run into is this idea that people think estate planning is one and done. You do a will one time, you put it in your mm -hmm. safe and you never look at it again. And that's not true because life isn't one and done right? Things happen all the time. Marriages, divorces, uh, new children, surprise children, um, deaths, births, the whole, the whole yeah. gambit. And sure, sure. when things happen, it's really important to review those documents to make sure that they're still doing what you want them to do. Um, mm -hmm. And make sure that the people that you named in them are still in your life. If you named right. your best friend 20 years ago and he's moved to another country as an expat working for a big corporation, then maybe that's not who you want to be managing things now. Right. It doesn't mean you're not still friends. It just means that maybe they're not around to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so you always want to review those things just to make sure the people you've named are still the people you want in those jobs and to make sure that those documents are still doing what you want them to do and that you don't need anything more robust or uh, you don't need different provisions. Yeah. So what would you say maybe every, well, I guess it really depends on if what changes yeah. have happened. So we I, have I, a like, <laughs> I like five years. I like five years just to take a look at it, just to remind yourself that it's there. And check your too. beneficiary designations when you do that, too. Right. So we have a question here from the audience from Susie Ferguson. Um, 
Fogerson, sorry, as a as an owner of a non-medical healthcare franchise, I found that more children involved in the health decisions of a parent, the more complicated care it can become. <laughs> what are suggestions? I think that's probably a very good point. Good question. That's true. Um, so I usually recommend when I'm talking to my clients, I recommend that they choose one to make the final decision. Uh, the whoever is the healthcare proxy. I don't like having multiple adult children serving together as agents because all you end up with there is a trip to the ethics department at the hospital. Um, I think it's really important that one person be in charge. And that person is the one whose name is first on those documents. Now, if you're dealing with a situation where somebody already has their documents in place and they already have all the multiple children and everyone gets a say, then my advice is the first person you talk to is mom or dad. Uh, the first person mm -hmm. you talk to is the principal themselves and see where they're at. Um, right. And then, Unfortunately, it, then it requires wrangling cats, right? Corralling the adult children and putting them all in the same place and getting everyone on the same page with what they wanted. Um, mm -hmm. Ways to avoid that are having conversations with your family, making sure that your family knows what you want and how you want it to happen. Um, that's having these conversations are crucial and there's a ton of resources online for how to start the conversation, what to do with the conversation, how to keep it going. It's not good enough to be sitting on the couch watching Grey's Anatomy and seeing somebody on life support, <laughs> looking over at your spouse and saying, don't ever do that to me. Right. I never want to be on life support. Okay. That's not the conversation. Um, that's not even close. That is right. one statement and it doesn't even account for everything. So um, have the conversations, make sure your loved ones know in circumstances where they're all involved and there's no person to point to as the person has the agent, um, then you just have to look at what information you have about the principal to make the decision that they would have made because it's always going to come down to the decision they would have made if they were able to make it. Right. Right. And having those discussions early on is what's really important. Right. So another, another great question. Uh, what if your parent is suffering from severe dementia and has nothing in place for designations of guardian, what can we do or what can be done? So if you have a situation where there is a person with severe dementia, there's no durable power of attorney, there's no medical power of attorney, there's no designation of guardian, um, the only choice you have is to go to court and have the court name a guardian. Mm -hmm. And generally what that means is that one of the adult children are going to have to hire an attorney and apply to be the guardian. And hopefully the other kids will agree and there's not going to be a contest. Um, if there is a contest, it can get really, really messy. Um, but that's why these documents are so important to begin with so you don't end up in this situation. If you are in this situation with somebody who has severe dementia and there are no less restrictive alternatives. And what I mean by that is there's nothing else in place. There's no power of attorney. There's mm -hmm. no medical power of attorney. There's no co-signers on bank accounts that can pay for bills. There's no, um, there's no way to uh, to, to put something together that, that can help mom or dad. Now with medical decisions, it's a little easier because Texas has a statutory list 
if there's no document in place, there's a list of people who can make decisions. And unfortunately for the hmm. multiple children situation, it is the consensus of the majority of children available hmm. to be asked. Um, and so if you've got four kids all standing there and two of them say one thing and two of them say another, you don't have a majority. Um, wow. Right. It is. It can be very, very difficult to navigate those circumstances. And if they can't come to a consensus, then it really does come down to, is it worth to seek a guardianship of the person so that one person ultimately has the final say? Mm -hmm. I, I can't say that it's gonna be worth it in every case. In some cases, it might be the only way. Um, these are really challenging questions and they're really challenging situations to have to be in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, those are not easy ones for sure. Um, okay, well, let's move on then. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, when in general would you suggest someone start planning for long-term care? At what point? When you start planning your retirement, start planning your long-term care. Um, just so when I'm 25. I, when you're 25. <laughs> think about it, though, really. Yeah. I mean, when you're 25, you're thinking about, you know, your career and, and where you're going to move from there. And, and sort of this, you know, you have these 10-year pictures. And you have this sort of vague hope that one day you will be able to retire, right? And you have this vague idea of how you want to retire, so you start putting that money away. You should also have a vague idea of what it means to retire, you should, when you're thinking about these things, especially as you get older, I'd say 45, 50 is really when I think it's it's time to start planning for real. When you, um, get, when you get your AARP card. Right, <laughs> right, when you get your AARP card, when you're really looking at that retirement saying, okay, yeah. this is the date. Like if I work this many more years, this is the date I can retire, right? That's when you should really be um, thinking about what that means and so like, when you retire, what does next Tuesday look like? What are you going to be doing with your life? And so people have these ideas that they're going to travel more, see family more, do all these things. And a lot of people do them. And some people don't. Um, but you have to keep yourself busy. And so what does that look like? How is your? How are you going to live your life day to day in your retirement? And one of my favorite expressions, I guess, from a financial advisor, a friend of mine, is they they plan for the go-go years, which are those years right after retirement, the slow-go years, which are those years that are sort of in between retirement and aging and, and, and so as you age, kind of slowing mm -hmm. down. And then the no-go years, which are those years when when you can't do what you used to be able to do. Right. Yeah. And so they they try to plan for those three stages of retirement because it's not live, work, 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 retire, death right? There's that decline again. And so we need to know what we're going to do in that decline and how to, how to afford it. Um, I'm a big fan of looking into long-term care insurance. It's not for everybody, but there's a whole bunch of different products out there. Some are hybrid, some are traditional. Um, it's, it's worth, especially like when you turn 45, it's worth sitting down and talking to somebody who knows how to do this uh, and, and kind of getting an idea of what long-term care insurance looks like, uh, okay. especially in, in the new landscapes. Cause there are, like I said, a ton of new products out there, a ton of new things. I don't know them inside and out, but they're worth considering. Um, yeah. 
Like I said, it's not for everyone, but it's worth looking at. These are all just sort of planning techniques. If you intend to self-fund your, your retirement and your, um, and your long-term care, understand what that means. Like have an idea of what the going rates are for home health care. Yeah. Um, understand yep. what your what your health situation is. Understand, you know, when would you pull the trigger at what point people, everyone wants to die at home at peace in their own bed with their family around them. Unfortunately for most of us, that's not in the cards. Yeah. And so it's important when you get to be retirement age, like 65, 70, it's important to think about, okay, so what do I want those years to look like? Do I want to be in an assisted living facility where I still have some mm -hmm. freedom and I still have some ability to move around and I still have the dignity of my own choices? Or do I want to be at home and what does that look like? Do I have, do I need to widen some walls in my house to make that possible? Do I need to take care of these snags in the carpet so that they're not fall risks, right? All of these things you should be thinking about much earlier than you think you should be thinking about them. I have clients in their 80s and they're like, no, we're too young for that. And I'm like, no, really, you're <laughs> not. Because you're going to go from 100% ability and one fall is all it takes to go to 40% ability. And Absolutely. so when you are capable and able and strong that is when you need to be thinking about what is your life going to look like when you're not capable and able and strong? And how right. do you want that to plan? How do you want that to play out for you? What does aging with dignity for you mean? Yeah. Can't always mean just staying in your house until the day you die. There has to be some options there. Yeah. Well said. Very, very, very well said. And not only for the, for the aging person, but for their family. You know, Absolutely. The, you know, everything's managed and, pieces of the puzzle are put together so that they have peace of mind as well. Right. 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 It's so, for everybody. Yeah. And, and people should be involved in it. I'm a big fan of transparency. The last thing you want is to surprise your kids, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone should sort of be on the same page. Sometimes these are hard conversations. So you don't have to get into the details. You don't have to tell them what you're leaving them um, yeah. by right. any stretch of the imagination, but just letting them know, Hey, I have decided that if it gets to a point where I'm a fall risk, I am not going to be, um, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and move into a facility where that is not going to be as much of an issue for me. Like have, have a plan in place in your head that says, if this, then this, at what point do I pull the trigger? And start looking mm -hmm. around, talk to friends, like people who have moved into facilities like that, assisted living, independent living, the more you take control of your aging, the less your aging is going to control you. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> the first time I've said it, it worked well. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great one. You got you to you coin that one. Well, yeah. I'd, I'd like to, because um, we're going to wrap up here pretty soon, but I'd like mm -hmm. to, I think it's a good tie-in to the Senior State Concierge and the fact that all those yes. services are available for consult consultation, Right. Um, you know, the resources are there. So if you don't mind, take a minute or two, talk about your experience so far in the organization and, and what you like about it. Oh, absolutely. So one of the greatest things about the uh, senior estate concierge is the number of people available 
that are in all different areas of senior, uh, of senior care, um, senior finance, senior facilities. I have been, I, I have tapped our financial advisors for advice with clients. I have talked to our people who have assisted living facilities. I've spoken with people who um, are hospice providers as well as funeral directors. Um, when I have a client that calls me and says, I'm, you know, this is where we're at. We don't know what to do. My first thought is, here's my list of resources and here's what we're gonna do. Let's let's have somebody come out and see how much your house is worth. Okay, we're trying to talk about how we're gonna pay for long-term care. Let's talk about the house first because that's usually where people's equity is. So right. what are we gonna do with that? Are we looking for some kind of reverse mortgage? They're not for everybody. For some cases, they make sense. It's worth looking at. Are we gonna look at uh, selling the house and using those funds to pay for something else? Are we gonna look at, like, how are we gonna look at the big picture? What's your income? Right. What are your assets? What's your equity? What can we do to plan the long-term care and pay for it the way that you had envisioned it? And I think right. one of the things about the Senior State Concierge is it really allows um, me to have access to resources that I otherwise wouldn't have. I'm always surprised by the people who come to the meetings and, and talk about what they do because there are so many things out there, so many resources out there that I never even knew. Like the, the, the company that can make your bathroom floors non-slip. Like that's an incredible service yeah. to be able to provide to people who want to stay in their homes. I didn't yeah. know it existed until I was a member of this group. Right. Absolutely. Well, great. Thank you. Um, and I agree with you. And that's, that's one of the, the reasons for starting it is that have all these resources and solutions right there in one spot for families and seniors that are going through life changes. So, well, thank you very much. Um, if there's any questions out there in the audience, please uh, feel free to contact us. Um, either Angela directly or myself, and we'll be glad to answer your questions the best we can or connect you with the people that can. And absolutely. Them. Absolutely. So, thank you again, Angela, very much. It's been a pleasure and you have a wonderful day and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you for having me. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.